All right. Hello, everyone. I have been writing a lot about clarity, being clear. Uh, come on to this thing called clarifying conversations, conversations that clarify not only where I stand, but just as importantly, or at the beginning, more importantly, where the person I'm speaking to stands. So the clarifying conversations and being clear, people with my personality that are direct and pretty clear, we often think that it's clear on, I want the facts straight. I want, to, I want to, people to know what I think and what I think is true. And I want to make it clear that I think I'm right and that they're wrong. Okay. But the, the clarity is really in the clarity within ourself, the clarity within me, the clarity of thinking, the clarity of belief, the clarity of my testimony of what the Lord's done. And I stumbled upon something in uh, thinking about this and going to bed a couple nights ago is that really the clarity that I want to get across is not the clarity of my political belief, not the clarity of my religious belief, not the clarity of uh, a topic that I'm talking about, but really the clarity of how much I am invested in and it, how much I'm invested in your well-being. And I don't mean your well-being, so I'm not going to be clear. I want to be clear about that, but that I, I want to start with, I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm looking for clarity so that we can truly go further in our relationship. But I want to be clear at the beginning that I love them. I want to be clear at the beginning that I love you. And then when we start from that, we're clear on that, then I think it gets uh, people's ears open. And if me on my part as the one that is communicating, and of course, this is a conversation, so we're both communicating, but why don't I take the burden, the responsibility the, uh, to be the more mature one and to communicate at the highest level that I can communicate? So that clarity is clarity, not only what I want to get across, which is super important, but I don't need to lead with that. I want to lead with, I love you. I want to understand you. I'm listening. This is what I'm hearing. And then I can share what I think and what I believe and what I feel and what I'm experiencing. But I want to start with, I love you. And I think that's what God does. That's what Jesus does all the time. He starts with, we come to him, we're horrified, we're embarrassed, we're ashamed by our sin. And I think he starts with, I love you. And there's no like, but after, I love you, but get out of here. Come on back. When you get cleaned up, we'll have a good conversation. When you use the right words, when you're no longer swearing, come back and you can talk to me. God doesn't tell me that. And I hope he doesn't tell you that. If that, if you think God's telling you that, I don't think you're talking to God. I know that sounds awful, but I don't think you're talking to God. I want to be clear on that. I love you. But if all you're hearing is shame from God, you are not talking to God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're not talking to God of the scripture. You're not talking to the God that sent Jesus to die for our sins, to connect us to him forever and ever and evermore. Okay. So again, clarity starts with me and maybe it starts with me and God and my relationship with him. Then I'm able to be clear about myself. I'm able to see myself in a much clearer way. And I'm able to see myself the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I'm able to love myself, and I'm able to grow within the context of 
that I'm clear that God loves me. I'm clear that I'm lovable. I'm clear that I can love myself. And so it's, I'm clear on how I can love others. I really like that. I like, I like what I'm finding the last couple of weeks as I'm thinking about and writing about these things. And I've not been a very good communicator in my life. Um, in fact, a lot of you won't know this, but I was extremely shy. I didn't talk hardly at all. I had a, a, an older brother. He was a, a half-brother. He didn't live with us quite a bit older, like 10 years older, and his name was Marshall. And I remember when we'd moved from the L.A. area up to Grants Pass, Oregon, Southern Oregon, I was about 13. He hadn't seen me for a year or two, and he came up there, and my life had been changing because of because of religion, because of Jesus, because of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I started. Uh, I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues at 13, and he come. He came up. Maybe I was just turning 14. I can't remember. It was the next summer, and he said, "I walked into the room, said hi, started talking, talked to Dad, asked asked our dad a question, and Marshall looked at Dad, and I heard him say, "Hey, when did Les start talking?" I've always been very shy, and there's a great story of in my late teens uh, and early 20s going, if I am called to love people, how can I do that without using words? How can I? And I thought, I have to learn. I have to learn how to communicate. I have to learn how to have a conversation with people. So I have a, I just started really manufacturing a whole bunch of rules for me to live by in order for me to get beyond what I never thought of was as anxiety, but just the fear of speaking to people. And by the way, some of my family would say I started talking and I haven't stopped since. So I think that might be a fair assessment. I don't have any problem with that. Then when it comes to clarity and communication, I read a quote by James Strong who wrote, um, uh, what did James Strong write? He wrote Atomic Habits. James Clear, I always call him James Strong because I'm always thinking strong habits, but it's actually James Clear wrote Atomic Habits, and he just put out in his email a few weeks ago, this thought that more people should be talking more and we should really work on over communicating with people, spending the extra moments, spending the extra words, spending the extra time to talk to people, to get to know them, to get, he didn't use the word clarity, although his name is James Clear, maybe that was the spark, but that for us to communicate, for us to sit down buy a meal for someone and chat with them, buy a coffee and chat with them, say, hey, I want to Zoom with you and chat with you. In fact, I put a free coaching session every once in a while in my Substack, and there's a great way just to have a conversation with me for 40 to 50 minutes. You don't have to come with anything to say. I'll ask you questions. I'll share stories. We'll talk. We'll chat. It's a great way to talk to people and to talk to People and learn to communicate and learn to love through that, and we grow a lot through that. But it takes clarity of thought, clarity of communication, clarity in our connection with each other. I want to start with a story of uh, something that happened between me and an elder. It didn't really like happen between me and an elder, but I, I had taken over his church that 150 people had left in one Sunday. 
I was the last person hired on staff. Every elder left. Every uh, pastoral staff member left. The pastor was arrested. At about 1,000 people, 150 people left. The note on the property was $33,000. And I'm thinking a lot about this because it just came at 20 years uh, since that all happened. But uh, I became the pastor out of that. And I would start conversations with when people would come upset, bothered, wanting to badmouth the, the former pastor, wanting to badmouth or to complain or to, you know, whatever they wanted to do, I would start out with, I don't care. I don't care what you're going to say. I don't care what you think. I don't know you, so I don't know why you're talking to me. I don't care about, about what you have to say. You don't have any right to have input, but I would say it all summed up in, I don't care. All right. And I had an elder tell me that pull me, not, not pull me aside. We had a, just a great relationship. These four elders and myself, it was just beautiful thing that happened there. And we kept communication really clear. That's another great story for another day. But he, he just kind of pulled me aside and he said, you probably don't want to start conversations with, I don't care because you do care and you care about people more than almost anyone I know. That was like, what? No, I don't. I probably did. I, I just got passionate there. I probably did say something like that because when somebody tells me something about myself, I did not. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. No, I didn't. And then I think about it because I'm a, a verbal processor. So if you can't, you can't endure the tension of a conversation when you're trying to say something to me or like get me to understand something. You'll never get me to understand something because I work on being talking it out, being wrong, saying it, contradicting it. And then I get to that. Okay. So this is what's interesting. He didn't come and tell me you, you don't, don't say, I don't care because it's mean. He didn't come and say, don't care. Don't say, I don't care because it hurts people feel it's people's feelings. He said, you probably don't want to say, I don't care because you do care. He made it about me, but he's really clear. It hit me really hard. And what I realized now, 20 years later, from 40 to 60, is that I was protecting myself by saying, I don't care. I was protecting myself from hearing their hurt and their pain is really what it was their disappointment i was i was protecting myself from hearing their unhealthy parts and in advance i was stopping them from sharing with me and i was stopping myself from the ability uh or the vulnerability to care for them to listen to them to help them clarify and I set up again, I set up some rules of what I wouldn't do. I was going to wait three minutes. I was going to wait five minutes. And uh, two, two, two young, there weren't young ladies. Well, I guess they were back then. Two young ladies that were on staff, the, the two remaining staff members of the church, they came to me and said, hey, somebody's going to come talk to you. And we want you to let them, give them 15 minutes. And again, another story. I'm, I'm getting on a rabbit trail here. It's a great story of what listening for 15 minutes and being mad for 15 minutes did in that conversation. They didn't know I was mad. It was great. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to share several. I have seven mental models that really have helped me. And mental models, again, are just ways of thinking. They're the, 
kind of like the boundary line for thinking. Okay. And this first one, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of share why, why it's a mental model. And it's just a really, you could call it, it's a principle. It's a philosophy, but I like the idea of a mental model because it's something that I like, like my brain that rut in my brain. I, I let it like click into these models that I've intentionally created not a default. This is how my parents communicated. This is how my denomination communicates. This is how people expect me to communicate. This is what people want me to be. And I fall into that, that rut. But this is a, this is a constructed, thought out mental model that I use when I'm not being clear, when I'm being anxious in a conversation, when a conversation hasn't gone well, and I go to think about it. So this first mental model is that I care deeply. I just don't care like other people care. So I want to rephrase that. I care about you, but I'm not going to care about you like somebody with a different personality will care about you. I'm not going to care about you like a deeply caring person would care about you. I'll re I'm going to rephrase that. I'm not going to care about you maybe the way you think I should care about you. I'm going to care about you in the way that my personality, my spiritual gifting, was designed to care about you. Because I will tell you, I am not the most deeply uh, uh, empathetic, compassionate person. But what has happened as I get clear that I can that I do care and I'm going to care a certain way, people experience it can experience you. people can experience me as a deeply compassionate person because of what the holy spirit's doing in me okay because my first thought when something happens bad is well that's how life works what do you want to do about it let's get to work and man, I just roll over any problem that person has any pain that person has any fear that person has I'm like best thing is to get to work so often my first response in a crisis or when somebody's hurt or when something's gone wrong is that's how life is what did you expect there's problems what do you want to do about it now let's get to work let's go do it let's put some let's put some work to our faith we believe and i roll over hurt pain fear things like that so i've learned to stop to think to get clear, to be present. I've learned how to be clear. And this is big, I think, for anyone who's like me, is to learn to, at the very least, have a short conversation that clarifies not that what I think happened is just how life works, not what I believe. No, the most important thing is this mental model of weight I care deeply and I need to care and I'm able to care in a language that they understand, even though I don't need that or I don't think I need that. I enter into empathy and compassion. Now, when someone tells me that something bad has happened to them, I almost always say, wow, that must be really painful. I'm so sorry you're going through that. And I, I've done it for probably 10 years or more, longer than that, but I've worked into that it's really, it's natural now for me to say that. 
it's natural now for me to pause and wait and look at them and and to be present with them because these few short sentences can set the tone for anything that follows. These few sentences can set the tone for, yeah, there is work that needs to be done. What do you want to do about it? It sets the tone for, I'm on your side. I understand. Uh, uh, I had a, a brother that passed away. That older brother I talked about earlier, he passed away. Then I had another brother pass away four or five years ago, another older brother. And, Oh, I start with, I mean, that's tough. My brother passed away when I was 18 years old and my father passed away 20 years ago. So I, I start with something that gives them, ah, that's tough. How are you dealing? How are you doing? And I wait and I pause and I sit there and I give that gift to them of me being present with them. I care deeply. I keep that as a model. Even when I don't feel like I don't care, even when I'm thinking, I don't care what you think. I've made a decision. I do care. And my caring opens people up to be more real and authentic with me. And it's led to many beautiful things.